We are worse than betrothed, worse than acquainted. We are married podcast hosts. E. Half agony, all cringe. <laughs> Welcome to Film is Lit. This is the full spoilers podcast where we take a piece of literature and compare and contrast it to its film or television adaptation. My name is Danny. He, him. I'm the self-appointed film expert. And my name is Laura. She, her. And I am the self-appointed literature expert. Yes, you are. And today's (laughs) another special episode. They're all special, right? Yeah. But especially this one. And this is probably our most anticipated guest. That's right. She's in the hot seat. (laughs) Yay! My best friend, Allison! Hey! Yay! Yay. No, we've wanted Allison on the podcast since it started, but Little Miss Thing over here has a lot going on, including a master's degree and now a couple of jobs. So Too, too many, some may say. That's exactly right. So um, we're finally, finally pinning Allison down. She's actually strapped to the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't want to be here, but that's right. It is what it is. But yeah, we're pleased to have you here, Allison. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Allison Wood. Um, I am Laura's best friend since like forever. We like met in like kindergarten. And we did. Have been friends ever since. Um, yeah, I am five foot six. <laughs> I have dark kind of brownish black hair i wear glasses and i'm a six in bath um that's a reference that's a reference that's all you gotta know about me this is what people mean when they say you have a radio face (laughs) (laughs) a face for radio right yeah (laughs) yeah good thing we're not recording this episode (laughs) just kidding we're all good looking here yeah. Especially okay. in Bath, like Allison said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, thanks again for being here. Sure. Um, we wanted to cover a another Jane Austen novel because um, I think Allison and I have always had a little, little soft spot in our hearts for Jane Austen. I think the first time I read a Jane Austen novel was in college. Um, but really Al- not for high school? No, yeah, no. I think it was in college, thanks to Dr. Flory, who's been a recurring guest on our podcast. But do we want to jump into our journeys? Allison, you can talk about, I don't know, I don't know when we decided to do Persuasion, but if you remember, (laughs) go ahead and share with listeners. Yeah, I think, oh God, no, I I don't remember actually. Okay, yeah. (laughs) It was a bit ago when we were like talking about it for a bit, but yeah, I guess I, I first started like reading Pride and Prejudice and Jane Austen novels in like middle school and then kind of stopped for a bit and then I think it was the winter of the first like winter after the pandemic started mm. we were all isolated and I got really into Jane Austen novels as like an escape yeah. and that's when I first read Persuasion mm-hmm. it was a great escape yeah and then yes. I reread it recently um in preparation for this podcast and for that one I found like a group of women on reddit that like started a discord channel where we'd all read like persuasion together week by week so So that was really cute it was like the most wholesome group on discord i think (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. yeah so i love that you also i don't remember i think we were together when you bought this version of persuasion the book right yeah um which actually has a face for television um this is a really nice book (laughs) and then i guess if you don't mind i'll add 
a little extra to that and I can start my journey a little bit. Um, but we decided to do, maybe this is why we decided to do Persuasion. Uh, we knew that the Netflix movie was coming out. Mm-hmm. And so Danny and I had heard some not too flattering things online mm-hmm. for a while. There were some crumbs that were suggesting that it was going to be a little bit of a dumpster fire, yeah. <laughs> to put it lightly. <laughs> and so Allison and I had a rare night out with the two of us. And we went to the Bay Theater in the Palisades, which I think we just talked about on our last episode, because Danny and I saw the Greyman there. So Allison and I decided to have an, a really lovely dinner with your parents beforehand. Yeah. Very civil. And then get blasted <laughs> at the theater, because yeah. they have a really nice bar. And they were pouring heavily the night that we were there. Oh, yeah. We like befriended the bartender, so they are like, let me give you a little something. Yeah, they were like, do you want a double shot or a single? And we're like, single is fine. Like, we've had a lot. And they're like, here, we're actually going to just hook you up. So they were pouring really nicely. And there were about six people when we started the movie in that theater. I think by the end, it could have been because we were being belligerent. belligerent. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we were the last two by the time the movie wrapped. It was, I hope it wasn't just us. I think we were being like appropriately, like I don't think we were being disruptive, but we were being like appropriately like. like, Shout, whisper. Giggling. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it wasn't because of us that people were leaving. Um, I do think it might have had to do with the quality of the movie. I think so, yeah. But yeah, we have, we'll, we'll post some choice photographs that we took <laughs> while we were watching it. So you flipping off the screen, I remember. There are a couple of me, it makes sense why I would be upset, because I think we feel a lot of allegiance toward Jane Austen's writing, and so to see it just disrespected <laughs> on screen in that way is yeah. just a little disappointing. So that's my journey with the movie, and then my journey with reading the book is really short because I had actually never read this mm-hmm. until now, so it's seems to be one of Jane Austen's more serious novels. There's some satire in it, but you really gotta pay attention to find it. And so I don't know if it's my favorite, but it was a treat. As always, I really enjoy reading her novels. So that's me. What about you, Danny? Oh, and then it comes to me. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, as I've talked about in the past um, episodes of Jane Austen material, it's just not my style. Not Yes, not my <laughs> cup of tea. I respect the writing, but I cannot, for the life of me, focus when I'm reading. And I understand that it's witty and well-written and ahead of its time and timeless, but it, it's really tough. Uh tough for me. I'm very I'm very much a stereotypical guy where I like sci-fi and thrillers and yeah. Allison likes sci-fi. I love sci-fi. So, can we change this to like a different book? Oh my or god, this? let's do Dune again. Okay. Yes. So, Dune. <laughs> Allison tried to get me to read Dune for a good 10 years before I actually dove into it. So, you of all people would be great to have on a Dune yeah. episode. But I'm sorry. Let's stay um, focused. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was just kidding. So, I've never I've never pursued this story. I, re- I had to read Pride and Prejudice um, and Sense and Sensibility in high school. Listen and to what you said you had to. Yes, wow. I was forced. <laughs> Both those movies are very well made, and they have won Oscars as well. But again, not my jam. And I had heard that this movie was coming out with Dakota Johnson, who is good given the right director and character 
of course, script too, um, mm-hmm. which this movie, all those three things, it didn't have. Um, uh, it didn't have a good version of, of any of those three yeah. things. And I think the death nail was the trailer that came out um, a month before the, the film was released on Netflix, which revealed that this would be breaking the fourth wall, Fleabag yeah. slash Enola Ebola Holmes. <laughs> um, As we like to call it in the um, ceiling Gaylord house. Rip- and immediately when the trailer came out, it lit the internet on fire, and people just couldn't deal with it. The we were worse than than exes. We were friends, or never trust a ten, or stuff, uh, stuff like that. So I knew uh, I wasn't going to read the book, to be honest, <laughs> nor was I ever going to watch the movie. And then when Laura. Uh, suggested this. I forget who first suggested that we cover this, Allison or, or Laura, but I figured that would make for a pretty fun mm-hmm. episode where we can, you know, very astutely uh, uh, tear down the film. It, like, I love that. Astute tear down. Yeah. And I'm not sure who this Austin chick is, but she, no, I'm kidding. Um, but but I, know, I know that the book is very highly regarded, but it seems like a lesser known pieces. I think that's true to a certain extent. I guess we can introduce it a little bit. It it was actually published after her death in 1817. And I don't know, I guess we can kind of speculate, like, she was very young when she died. I think she was only, like, in her 30s or 40s. But maybe she was just feeling down when she wrote it. But it's just not one of her snappiest. I know that I talked about this on our on the Emma episode, but like Emma is my absolute all-time oh, favorite. It's so good. I it's love that so one. good. It's just like every bit of dialogue is a shot at someone. I think it just really epitomizes Jane Austen's style of like satire and the Regency period. Is that yeah. what I'm looking for? Is it the Regency period? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what I was. <laughs> Is it? That's, I don't what, know. <laughs> that's what I was blanking on earlier. I don't know, Allison. Like, I don't know how you feel, but what is your favorite Jane Austen novel, and how does this one stack up? Do you think? I also really liked Emma. Um, yeah. I also really like Sense and Sensibility. Hot mm. take. Maybe. Hot take. Um, but I don't. I don't think so. I think that's another good one. Okay. Yeah. Warm take. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one definitely. I agree. Like, it didn't really have as much of the witticisms of Mm -hmm. the traditional Jane Austen novels and yeah so it wasn't my favorite because of that it was more serious tone Mm -hmm. to it but Mm -hmm. that's cool I think yeah and I think the other thing too is like the characters feel a little bit like we've been there before because even if we talk about her father Mr. Elliot he's a little bit of a they changed him a little bit for the movie I think he's a little more bumbling in the movie he's a little bit more calculated in the book if you you don't know if you agree, but even with him, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, he's a stuck-up patriarch. We saw that with Mr. Woodhouse and Emma, and I think yeah. we saw it in a more three-dimensional way. Right. And, like, her two sisters, Elizabeth and Mary, I think are a little bit two-dimensional as well. Yeah. I think, like, we get better shallow characters in other books. So that that was another thing where I was like, I just feel like we've seen these characters a little bit. I would even go as far as saying Sir Walter Elliot, who you're saying mm-hmm. is a direct ripoff of Bill Nye in, mm. in Emma. And and the funny um, thing too, like, is that I think that the guy, what, Richard E. Curtis? Grant. Richard E. Grant. R- Richard, Richard, e. Cur- Richard Curtis uh, wrote and directed About Time. Oh! oh. <laughs> that's one of my favorite films. Thank you. Yeah. 
But I thought that, like, he was one of the best parts of the movie. I thought he was just, yeah. like, pretty his, funny. His and... three scenes, yeah. But he wasn't in it enough. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he really, like, I, oh, man, I feel like I'm already getting a little bit into the analysis. But I feel like a lot of this, a lot of the best parts of this movie were ripped from Emma. Yeah, and that bothers me a lot. I agree because it did come out after Emma. It did seem like mm-hmm. it's like, yes. oh, let's make this yes. movie. Yeah, like it let's make Emma back. for the millennials. Yeah. Is how this movie comes off, and that really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I I feel like the production team was like, okay, everyone loved Fleabag. Yes. So let's take that, and then we're doing now Jane Austen. What's the movie that now all the millennials are talking about? In, in reference to Jane Austen, it's Emma. Yeah. So let's also copy the visual style and kind of the upbeat tone a little yeah. bit. But that's, you know, a microcosm, big word, <laughs> of, of the movie as a whole, is that it's just this shell, the product that's copying and failing to yeah. produce the magic of Emma. I like to be the third person to also praise Emma uh, on this podcast. We've also we've done yeah we've done an, right, we're past that. I know we, we've done a whole episode on that with Dr. Sean Flory. That's actually, right. by the way, I loved his episodes. That is an example of a movie that I think breaks my Jane Austen bias, where it's just like a film that's firing on all cylinders like cinematography directing acting of course and i think it's my favorite jane austen story although i've only encountered five stories i think that's quite a that's a lot yeah it's quite a bit she's like what like two stories so like all of them (laughs) you've read more than she wrote which is very masculine Mm. of you yeah Yeah. and you know what i love they're all so different uh, <laughs> Shut up! They are. Wow. Are you kidding me, Mr. Darcy and, and Mr. Wentworth? Very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Let's let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, shall we? So, a quick synopsis of the book and the movie. So, living with her snobby family on the brink of bankruptcy, <laughs> Anne Elliot is an unconforming woman with modern sensibility. When... Senses and sensibilities. Mm-hmm. That's probably oh. what that says. When Frederick Wentworth. The dashing lad she once sent away crashes back into her life. Anne must choose between putting the past behind her or listening to her heart when it comes to second chances. Ooh. So, Laura, you mentioned the book was published in 1817 after Jane Austen's death. I stand this, by that. This Netflix movie came out on July 8th, 2022. This year we're recording. And it premiered two weeks earlier at the Bay Theater, which you and uh, Allison... Um, that's where you you caught the film again la residents you can catch netflix films two weeks in advance at this theater and Mm -hmm. it seems like no one knows about it Mm -hmm. which is like so crazy it's a it's a brand spanking new theater looks great seats are great so we did have a few complaints about the theater but i won't go into it i think that they could be Uh. using the theater more effectively to do a netflixing brand Mm. on site Sure. Because they don't sell Netflix merchandise there, which is like a huge head scratcher for me. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Um, that's a good point. And, and they don't do any... They don't have an Instagram. That was my oh, other thing yeah, about yeah. it, because yeah, we, we started chatting up... Yeah, when Allison and I were there, we started chatting up the, I think, very bored <laughs> employees. And we were talking about how like engaging they are, and they're very young. They're probably younger than us, all of them. And we were talking about like, oh, like you know, where can we find events? And they were like, we don't even have an Instagram. And I was like, how is that possible in this day and age? I mean, I don't, but it's because right. I'm hip. Yeah. <laughs> 
My lab does. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. but, it, but it is a fun little spot if you get the chance. We're going to see Glass Onion there next yep. month. Oh, so. sick. Hell yeah. You're welcome to come, Allison. Is that like Beatles? No, wait. That's a new that's... movie. The, the like... The mystery one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Knives Out. Both the book and the movie, they take place in the 1800s, correct? Yes. Contemporary to the time, yeah. Gotcha. Cool. But the first difference we can get to right away is that this Netflix movie modernizes the uh, speech. This joke of a no. film. And they start telling. So, yeah, Allison, what was your what was your thoughts on that decision to no. make it uh, that fourth wall <laughs> no. edgy? Bra- yeah. No. <laughs> no. 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 It's like go all the way, like clueless, or don't go at all. Well said. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll give you a really good example that happens at the beginning of the movie when Anne pulls out her little keepsake box of memories with Wentworth. She pulls out this little bound stack of papers that you see as a like a like some sheet music yeah. and she goes a playlist that he made me god some 13 year old thought that was funny and cute yeah and it made it into the script like are you come on yeah, yeah. Cringe. right you should say this was uh written or adapted by ron bass and elise victoria winslow they're 13 right mm-hmm. yeah oh okay that makes sense that mm-hmm. makes sense that yeah. checks out yeah 13 and 12 yeah <laughs> uh directed by carrie cracknell she's big in the theater scene in england this is her first feature film um maybe you should stick to theater um, <laughs> no no it's good to have women directors in the in- industry widely underrepresented but yeah, so this brings us to uh, one of the biggest differences between the book and the movie is that the book isn't in first person, yes. correct? Yeah, right. the narrator of the book is ostensibly Jane Austen, which right? Is, which is, yeah, pretty normal to her style. Right. There's nothing, she always has a third person omniscient kind of right poking fun at people. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the movie is in first person with Anne talking to camera, narrating for us where i know in the book a lot of the story is is conveyed through dialogue a lot of the exposition you need to infer through dialogue whereas the movie she'll just straight up tell you what's what's going on or certain relationships how they formed or broke apart which was a big thing for me i was so confused in the opening 10 minutes as to Anne's relationship to wentworth so I knew they open with them on the, the hills there, the cliffs, but I said that was eight years ago, and I didn't understand why she had broken up with Wentworth. I don't think mm-hmm. that's explained. It's not, not explained effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Because you asked me, and I was like, oh, yeah, the that's only like, reason I know is because I read the book. And that's like a, like the whole thing of the yeah. book, so. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole thing, if you if you need that whole filled, is that her family basically and uh, Mrs. Russell, who's kind of like a stand-in mother, were concerned about Wentworth's lack of like mm. money. He didn't yeah. have money, so they're like, eh, no. Yeah, that's not pass. that that wasn't clear at all. Yeah. So I was yeah. like totally lost in the weeds. Mm-hmm. But going back to that uh, that big difference, so then the narrator of the book usually very witty and sly and, and funny. Whereas I know that the actual character of Anne in the book is a little more shy, sensitive, you know, melancholic. And you mm-hmm. and she slowly unravels 
and you learn more about her as the book goes on. Whereas the movie character is just, you know, she's Fleabag, she's yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge or yeah. Ebola Holmes. What, what did you think of Dakota Johnson in uh, the movie, Allison? Um, first of all, she's way too hot. She's supposed to be, yes. like, not hot. Yeah, isn't she yeah. supposed to be plain? Isn't that what yeah. they say? Yeah. They call her plain. I'm like, Dakota, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah all her sisters are like... She stars in Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> she's not, not, like, I mean, that's a pet peeve of mine, obviously, yeah. when movies cast, like, very attractive people, and they're like, oh, she had a scar on her left earlobe, and it made her absolutely unmarriable. Yeah, that's just <laughs> enough. Yeah. Okay, like, yeah. Anyway, I get you. Yeah. Did you go um, ahead? Yeah, that's my first point, is, like, the sisters would always be like, ooh, she's ugly, and it's like, no, she's not, she's hotter than you. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, just the character isn't, like, the character at all in the book. It's like they're trying to do Elizabeth Bennet again. Yeah. Like, I kind of understand what they're going for in the movie. It's more, like, rom-com kind of stuff for people who like Bridgerton. And, like, that's fine yes. if people like that, but, like, it's not a great ad- adaptation of the book. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that really, like, that whole read encapsulates why I don't like this whole movie, because I think that they just didn't look at the source material and pick out the most important things. Like, one of the most important things is that Anne is, like, quote-unquote plain, but her personality is what someone might fall in love with. And I know Mm. that's kind of like a harsh read, but she is 27 in the book, which means she's already... Exactly. (laughs) She's already basically, yeah, like a dowager or an old maid. And so... I think you mean old hag. (laughs) (laughs) More accurately, old hag. So, like, there are so many things, like, like you were talking about too, like how Anne is an introvert, and that's why it takes so much longer to appreciate the relationship between her and Wentworth and why the money meant nothing, you know, seven or eight years ago to their relationship because, like, they took the time to grow an organic relationship. And, again, another thing that I just don't see in the movie is that organic relationship growing because we don't get any real, like, banter between them. We Mm. don't get any, like, individual scenes where it's not extremely uncomfortable. And so I don't know why the movie wouldn't want to grow that naturally because then automatically like the end feels forced because you're not introduced to their specific relationship. And I think like that's what a lot of rom-coms fail at is like, oh, these people are hot. So obviously they're going to get together. And I like Jane Austen doesn't function that way. And so I feel like intrinsically this movie can't feel like a Jane Austen novel. Yeah. It just can't. It doesn't have the, I don't mm-hmm. know, it, it doesn't have the heart. Like, like, where's the heart in this movie? I don't, I don't find it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, you're, you're saying there's no heart in the line, she's single and thriving? Oh my god. Every oh. time they use the word thriving in this movie, I wanted to fucking chuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something at the television. So, so bad. Yeah, what are so... your takes on the, so this is the next difference, the anachronistic language. So the, the movie is modernized. Uh, Allison, you're shaking your head uh, once again. <laughs> Not yes, but in the no. Form. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was just like I said before, like go all the way, don't go halfway. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was. I felt like it was like. They're trying to baby us, like, you're not going to be able to understand Jane Austen's language. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. like, this is what she's trying to say in millennial talk. Yes. And, yeah. Exactly. Because I feel like if you, if you're writing this script, 
maybe the idea was like, oh, like maybe maybe after this too, like maybe not everyone will go back and read the book, but maybe people will go back and understand like the spirit of what Jane Austen meant when she was saying, I wrote this down, now they were as strangers, nay, worse than strangers, as they could never become acquainted. It was a perpetual estrangement. That's Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. And maybe they were trying to say, like, people don't understand that, so let's modernize it. And then maybe people will go back and understand something like the book. Mm -hmm. But you watch this movie, and I just don't see people wanting to go back and read it. Yeah. Like, it's just too cringe. It's too cringe. And that's a beautiful line. And you know what? Like, it's a really amazing observation on how awkward exes can be Mm -hmm. after you're done and and i had a i had like an interaction with an ex recently that was very awkward and i don't know that you can all you can ever like overcome that little like Mm -hmm. obstacle so that's 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 beautiful in 1817 like jane austen was smart enough to understand that and she never got married so it's so interesting Mm -hmm. to know that like she you know maybe she dated around but knowing the regency period it was pretty Mm -hmm. rare for like a woman to date and not marry whoever she was with so the fact that jane austen like had that insight and then to just kind of like to shoehorn it into this very uncomfortable modernized language just doesn't work. You don't get the the depth. Right. And it's not helped by the performance either. As I stated earlier, Dakota Johnson is a good actress when utilized well. Like Bad Times at the El Royale, which came out yeah. in 2018. Super underrated film in general. And she has an underrated performance in that She's kind of eclipsed by Cynthia Erivo, who's amazing in that movie, yes, but yes. but she's also great in that. But if not utilized well, you know who she reminds me of is Pam from The Office. Oh, yeah. Her delivery is just like it, Pam. Pam, that's so interesting because she reminded me of Jim. Yeah. Like his really annoying asides. But, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not arguing. She's kind of like an amalgam of those yeah, two characters in yeah. this movie. And on top of that... She's American. She's not an yeah. English um, actress. Yeah. And Americans can are just not good, at, notoriously not good at the English accent. It goes the other way, too. It, English uh, English people, not the best, usually, in American accents. You can Some tell. Some people are. Yes, but a lot, like, but a lot but. of times you can tell they over-enunciate their American accents. But when it's the other way... There's one of two things that happens. There's either it's like super cockney. I'm from London, isn't it? Mary Poppins, that, that yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he's not. Wait a second. He's not cockney. Like, no, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> from Liverpool, isn't it? Isn't Or there's what she's doing, which is like barely an accent at all. Which it's similar to the language. It's like either don't half-ass it. Like yeah. either lean into it or or just cast a different actress yeah there's no reason that screams why she needs to be the front of this play oh are you finished with your thought or can i add on yeah no go ahead okay i also had this thought so the movie also employs colorblind casting Mm -hmm. which usually is really nice because we are getting to the point where we don't need like an excuse to include multicolored casts. Yeah. The thing that bugs me that, so this didn't come to me the first time we watched it, probably because I was blasted. But <laughs> yeah. I was paying more attention last night and I was like, okay, so they employed colorblind casting for people who were like 
semi-important, like Mrs. Jane Russell, and in fact, Mr. Elliot, her cousin, mm-hmm. is played by... What's Henry Golding. Henry Golding, who's in like Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. and other... A Simple Favor. A Simple Favor. Yeah, some like yeah. popular stuff nowadays. But we're still at this point where it's like the main character, God forbid, isn't white. Mm-hmm. So when I was watching this, I was like, her whole family, though, is white. So, like, yeah. why can't we extend that into the main characters? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It mm-hmm. bugged me a little bit last yeah. night. You gotta appease the racists in some way. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Can't it have is, it all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's, like, that's the thing. that It's, like, Netflix still feels like they have to pander yeah. to all of their audiences and say, like, well, we're, we're colorblind casting, but... We still have a white cast yeah. in, in in terms of like the important characters. Yeah, I feel like that's so common where like the main yeah. character is white and it's like this is a window for the white people so they don't get freaked mm-hmm. out. Yes. And and you know, one of the one of the people that I thought had the best performance, including her father, was her brother in law. Mr. Musgrove, Charlie Musgrove mm-hmm. Charles. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Hey. Charlie. Hey. We're in a first <laughs> name oh my god, you're right. I can't use that name if I'm not his wife. But yeah, Charles Musgrove, I think he had a wonderful performance, Yeah. but he was not a main character and, and doesn't, like, I wouldn't even call him a supporting actor because he doesn't really move any plot lines forward. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. just there as, like, Mary's support. And again, Mary is white. Although um, I do like normally that role would be relegated to the wife character, which in this movie sure, it's swapped. That's true. Yeah. And Mary. Yeah. And Mary also was like one of the more enjoyable characters. Yes. I, don't know how you I feel love about her. Mary. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, Na- Go ahead. There are two <laughs> characters I really liked. It was Mary, and then it was Mr. Elliot. Yes. Because I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Just Mary killed it. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. she's so good at being. Can I curse? Oh yeah. Fuck this yeah, is, you this can. This is extremely <laughs> explicit. F yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah. The friend who doesn't know how to curse. Frick yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, she's so good as, like, I don't know, just a bitchy sister. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. I love those kinds of characters. Yeah. Jane Austen does them so well. She really does. That's Shout such a strong shoot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sense and sensibility. She, like, kills it again with, like, the, like, really passive-aggressive characters. She's yeah. less passive, more just, like, whiny. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mary killed it. Henry Golding. Love him. Yeah, he did a really good job. I feel like once he came on, it was like, ooh, spice. A little bit of spice, because it was a very boring movie, and he was, like, interesting. Oh, yeah. And speaking of that, that is a departure from the book as well, because there's not really the the conflict arises because Mr. Wentworth misunderstands the relationship between between them. It's not so much that, like, he sees a connection. And even in the movie... And says, oh, like, there's something here to, yeah. to explore. And you know what? Like, okay, I'm not saying that books need to be an exact adaptation when they're brought to the screen. But the spirit of Jane Austen is that you can't ever say anything explicitly. Like, mm. that's where her situational humor yeah. excels and thrives, if you will. So <laughs> I will. You, can't, you, can't, you can't say that you can't trust them because they're a tent. Right. Yes. No, you could never say that. Like, you could never say, there's something here, I'm going to explore it. That's antithetical to 
everything that Jane Austen mm. had to work with. Like, that's her bread and butter, is that you can't say shit like that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it, the movie kind of twisted that into, it's not a misunderstanding on Mr. Wentworth's part, it's an actual explicit line that says there's something here, means that it's inherently not Jane Austen in spirit. Yeah, yeah, fundamental mm-hmm. misunderstanding. You know who also yeah. misunderstood... Uh, Mr. Elliot? Me. I had no idea what was going on. So, I know that, like in the movie and the book, his goal in uh, Bath, Mm -hmm. right, was to prevent Mrs. Clay, I don't know who this lady is, (laughs) Mrs. Clay from marrying Sir Walter to protect his inheritance. Um, But, like, I don't don't get that. Like, what... Can someone explain what was going on? Go ahead. With, um, with Mr. Elliot? God, I'll try, and then you can scratch it. <laughs> so, yeah, Miss, Mrs. Clay was, like, besties with Mr. Elliot, the dad one. Uh-huh. And it was. It seemed like they were getting a little close. So then, like, if she married Mr. Elliot, the dad, then they could have a son. And then, basically, the inheritance of Mr. Elliot, the dad, would go to Mr. Elliot, the cousin. So Mr. Elliot, the cousin, was like, I gotta make sure they don't get married and have a kid, because if they have a son, then exactly. he'll get the inheritance from Mr. Elliot, the dad, instead of me. Yeah, Mr. Elliot, the dad, only had daughters. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, the daughters. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't, yeah, connected. They the really two. leaned into the whole thing that he was the cousin. Yeah. But he should, I mean, him and Dakota Johnson had so much chemistry. Our, our yeah. good, yes. our good... <laughs> Yeah, Allison's point. Yeah, she she got it from her chair. Um, our good friends at the Secondhand Film Critics, Kayla, had mentioned that the casting should have been swapped with uh, yeah. Wentworth. Yeah. That. Oh my god. That yeah, Dakota Johnson had all the chemistry in the world with him, the, her cousin, but then with Cosmo Jarvis. Who, <laughs> yeah, who, love that name. Yeah, Me too. great yeah. name. Who plays Wentworth? A good actor in the show uh, Raised by Wolves. The first season. The second season was bad, and it was canceled after that. <laughs> but the first season was good, and he's in that show. And I've only ever seen that him in this movie and in that show. He's good in that, but in this movie, extremely stiff, incredibly wooden. And as the secondhand film critics pointed out, the casting is all off here, obviously. But yeah. they should have been mm-hmm. switched because... They didn't even give him a chance. Like I yeah. said, like there's there are no scenes with them being natural together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there aren't any scenes that I think are like constructed to help their relationship along. It's They just really leaned into the whole, like, it's so awkward. Yeah. Like, when oh they're God, in the same yeah. room, like, oh, my God. Like, they're going to make eye contact. And, like, she's going to have a jam mustache. And that's going to be the most awkward thing in the world. Like, oh, my God. And, and yeah. that's, like, God. her to do that is not... She wouldn't have done that in the book. No. Right? Yeah, no, that's no. very Absolutely out of character. Not. God, no. Yeah. <laughs> Did you read it? <laughs> Allison's back on her chair again. God. God. But yeah, no, I mean, we already talked about this, but yeah, in the book, like, she's an absolute introvert. And that's yeah. what's, what's, I don't know, beautiful or whatever about their relationship is they spent the time to, like, blossom that and, or fan the flame. And yeah. they did not spend the time to do that in the movie. Yeah. Well, now that we brought up Wentworth, like, what are some differences between his character in the book and the Well, he's the movie? not a ten. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're like a four in that. <laughs> Let's change those sideburns, right, guys? <laughs> I feel bad. 
had going after people. Yeah, looks. no, I like we could cut he's that. He's fine. He's fine. He's. You mean he's? Yeah. No, I feel like I. I agree with you that the movie didn't really give him a chance to yeah. shine. Yeah. And like. Yeah, I just don't think. Just kind of has like a stick up his ass the whole time. Like. Yeah. Even when they're at the very end when he's teaching her how to use a sextant. I was just like, I just like don't, I want this movie to be over so bad. That was like the last scene where they have a little spark or whatever. And I was just like, I don't fucking care. What about Mr. Elliot? What are some differences between uh, his character? He's not a scoundrel Mm -hmm. in the movie as much as in the book. Like in the book, they really go into how he like, oh God, I don't remember the details. He really like fucked over his... His friend's wife after his friend died. I, I think, think that's that was, right. Yeah. yeah. He, but, he, yeah. he like, made it so that she couldn't get all of the inheritance or something like that. Yeah. It was a very, like, financial kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like that's more, like, reinforces Anne Elliot's kind of mistrusting mm. Mr. Elliot. Mm-hmm. It, like, the whole point is, like, ah, she kind of had some intuition there that he's not the best. And then... Yeah. yeah. Um, but then in the movie, it's just kind of like, oh, they were like kind of a good thing and then mm-hmm. it just didn't work out and he found someone else. And it's yeah. not really the same storyline. Yeah. But I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah. I Did you mean Mr. Elliot the cousin or Mr. Elliot the oh, father? Yeah. The c- cousin. The, the cousin. villain. Yeah. Oh. Anne was talking to her friend who who she visited in Bath that's not, oh, in, the not in the movie. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. her friend was like, girl. This is what's going on. Is like I was talking to this lady I know who's like, yeah. Also, cause like okay. part of that whole role too is like she she like talks to like her laundress and servant and stuff. And it's yes. like how about they can be really cool too. I think there's a lot more talk about like the class hierarchy in the book in general compared yeah. to the movie, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense because like class isn't talked about as much here in the u.s yeah these days so i kind of understand why she was cut out like i, I think that makes sense for like a two-hour movie or whatever yeah, yeah. or but. at least for this movie where they're like well millennials don't care about class anymore as mm-hmm. much so mm-hmm. it's not something that we need to lean into but yeah that's a good point mm-hmm. yeah that's just like a big part of jane austen's writing like looking at class and like just looking at like Captain Wentworth's rise and how he's a good person, even though he started off lower class in the right. Elliot family and all. Which was why she was persuaded to mm-hmm. dump him, right? Yeah, that was not. I, yeah, I had to ask Laura about that because I had I was yeah. lost. So can you remind me, Allison? Because now yes. I'm forgetting. But <laughs> why does Mister Wentworth hate Mister Elliot? Because remember they meet on that path and they're like, there's like that weird energy where mm-hmm. he's like. Oh, like, so sorry you had to run into Mr. Elliot. Yeah. Like, why do they hate each other? I don't don't remember. I think it's just Captain Wentworth saw that, like, Mr. Elliot was, like, kind of checking Anne out. And he was Mm. like, ooh, I don't like that. And that's kind of, like, the turn for Captain Wentworth where, like, he started to be like, well, Anne's awesome. Yeah. Like, I still have feelings, and... Yeah, yeah, like, other guys are going after her, like, wow, I should try to go for her, like, before I run out of time. Before it's too late? Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe that's all it was, because I I felt like there was some history there. Did you feel like there was history? Yeah, it was funny. They run into each other on that cliff, and it's immediately... They have, like, beef. I got the vibes from their first meeting from, like, in Pride and Prejudice, when Mr. Darcy and Mr. Wickham have their little feud. And in fact, like very similarly in Pride and Prejudice, 
Elizabeth starts to have feelings for Mr. Wickham, who's kind of a rat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that that totally played out in the movie. I'm still not sure, like, quite what the beef was. If You might be right that he was just kind of jealous that he saw, like, a little bit of a spark there. But... I feel like there might have been some history and maybe maybe it's in the book and I'm being a bad podcast host by not remembering but it did feel like there was some like deep-seated it almost feels now like because we can't come up with it that like there's the thing between the actors <laughs> like like why did it feel like there was history there I don't yeah. know um but anyway yeah moving on yeah. he's also <laughs> Mr. Elliot is just introduced way too late in the movie as well, mm. in my mm. opinion. About what point does he come in in the book, like, roughly? Do you know? Like, is it halfway? Because in the movie, it's halfway. He comes in halfway, which is like, it was like it was like the hour mark. And I'm like, this is when the plot is, like, just starting to kick in. Because before then, it was, like, an hour of just nothingness. Yeah. Because oh, this movie is just, I mean, above all else, it's just unforgivably boring. Yeah. And I I wish yeah. it was a bad movie through and through, but it's like a, a movie it has great cinematography. Well, so I was gonna say, let's highlight some of the things that we did like. Yeah, yeah. we've been piling on a little yeah. bit. Yeah. but yeah, yeah. The let's, cinematography let's by by Joe Anderson is the cinematography. It, mm-hmm. it looks great, very reminiscent of Emma, of course. But no, no, I thought it was completely different than Emma. Oh, I disagree. Sorry. Um, Trouble in Paradise. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Because Emma, remember they, this is how Emma was so fucking good, because Mm -hmm. Autumn to Wild focused on the paintings of the time, which focused on pastel colors. Mm -hmm. And so she worked with her cinematographer to recreate that type of painting Mm -hmm. in the cinematography. So it was really like washed out and bright and white and pastel. Whereas I felt like this was actually really similar to Pride and Prejudice, where it had like a lot of like greens, like rich greens, mm. and like the foliage was really highlighted. Uh, I think sunsets. Yeah, I completely agree that they did a wonderful job of making like the architecture pop. And there were a lot of times where like the actors were kind of relegated almost to like the corners of the shots, and it wasn't them, it was kind of like the scenery was the focus which I thought was really beautiful. Um, and I thought like the the staging of the shots, like the, com- what is it, composition of the shots were really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was more like Pride and Prejudice, yeah, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and a good score. I like the score by yes. uh, Stuart Earle. Yeah. His only feature film works. He, he composed a lot for TV. Did you like anything else about it? I agree with you guys. I thought it was like really beautiful, the shots, especially when they're in line on the mm. wall mm. before the accident. <laughs> oh, we have to talk <laughs> about this. Allison just looked at me like, the accident? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. got shot up. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Finish yeah, your thought before It was before beautiful, we, though. Yeah. Just, yeah. All the shots were gorgeous. Loved that. I like that she had a pet bunny. It's a little quirky, but I like bunnies. So that was cute. And I do think there is like a certain audience for this movie. It just like wasn't Jane Austen fans. It was more like people who are really into certain kinds of rom-coms. It just wasn't a good persuasion adaptation. It was just like a Regency era rom-com. Yeah. More like Uh those. Like I respect that. Yeah. Maybe we're piling onto it because we're not young. 
I, for one, have not watched Bridgerton, but I know it has a huge following, obviously. Yeah. And and maybe this is meant for a younger crowd. I just find it disrespectful. <laughs> um, well, like, I'm not, but, a, I'm not a Jane Austen fan. I, I think we've done well, a good job, too. like, talking yeah. about how the, the fourth wall stuff is, like, incredibly, incredibly cringe to the yeah. point. Yeah. And... You know, if it's done well, like in Fleabag, it's in, it, because Fleabag, it, it's about she does something with that format. She the the whole second season is about her meeting a character who changes her outlook. She's always looking inward to herself, never really expressing like what she truly feels huh? and acting. So it's like you know she's doing something with the format. Thank you for summarizing my thoughts because I could talk about Fleabag for an entire 24 hours. Yeah, we are. We can honestly, we can jump over to, yes, but yes. Right. I'm not going to talk about it because otherwise I'm going to get really Yeah, so it's like about, Fleabag's like about the fourth wall breaking format. Whereas like this movie, I mean, I think we've, we've said it, like it's, it's not well written. It's cringy and just very. It's like boring. It doesn't boring. serve. Yes, yeah. it's boring. It's just exactly. so boring. It doesn't serve any fucking purpose. I almost feel like if you look at this in a really meta way, I honestly feel like they're just like, oh, this will go good on a sticker. <laughs> like they're literally trying to write all of these lines that are good for like a TikTok. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if that's what went into this development like I want to be a little bit more hopeful that that's not what people do when they approach a movie but I don't know like sometimes I do feel like it's there are other motives like Mm -hmm. marketing and like merchandising that go into decisions like making a line like we're worse than exes we're friends or something yeah yeah like, you just have to wonder, because it's just such a cringe, like, who fucking talks like that? <laughs> Nobody fucking talks like that! And you have to know that as a script writer. Yeah. You've been hired by Netflix, and you turn that script into a Netflix producer? Like, I just don't... Like, well, it's like, I could imagine a 13-year-old TikToker talking like exactly. that. Exactly! But no 13-year-old would make it past minute 15 of this movie they'd be like boring and they'd, yeah. they'd yeah. leave it you anyway. know what's funny is we started to praise the movie and, just... and immediately started dumping on it um allison any other compliments you have uh, for the movie no looks yeah <laughs> well it looks it looks good the music i thought the music was exceptional but i something like... i something i like to highlight because i don't think it's highlighted enough is costuming yeah i think i think that costuming is great i think to be honest i think the hair this is really nitpicky but i don't think the hair is period i think she has curtain bangs because those are in right now yeah um but i think the costuming was great and i think they probably put a lot of time and effort into that do you want to pull up the costuming yes artist i'm i'm right behind you yeah uh, marianne agartoft Cool name. Cool name. Yeah. I well shout yeah. out to to this person. She did the costuming for a super underrated film called Sexy Beast. This is with Ben Kingsley. Oh. Came out in two thousand. Like Watch Sexy you. Beast. It's a crime thriller. Oh, Pretty cool. quirky. Well the other thing that I was gonna say so Allison and I both studied abroad in England mm-hmm. and actually Allison was the reason you inspired me to study abroad because I didn't think that I was interested in doing it until I visited you in London in 2015 probably 2014 2015 so ha- you went to Bath 
I did go to bath. You did go to bath. During um, my time in England. <laughs> so Whoa, you just... sound just like Dakota Johnson. <laughs> yes. So you summered in bath. Um, so I was just going to say, did you notice anything? Did you get to, do you like recognize any of the spots that yeah. they went to? Totally. Go um, ahead. Um, take us on a walking tour, yeah. actually, of bath. We've got time. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I did catch you off. I was going to make a sports reference and then I remembered I don't know sports. You, I um, li- Okay, you texted me and you were like, how should I prepare? And I... I should have said something like this. Like, look <laughs> like, up sports? Look up, no, like, yeah. No, look up pictures that you took or look, like, try yeah. to remember what you did when you were in Bath. But yeah. but go ahead. So, what like, I feel like when anything's said in Bath, they go to this, like, circular area. Mm. It might be called the Circle. Yeah, it's yeah. like the Royal Crescent. It's in the movie. I visited there while I was in Bath, and I feel like it's such a cool area because it's just a circle and there's just apartments in a circle. Um, oh, yeah. I can't imagine. Cool. I'd be so interested in how so much cool. it costs to live there. Who knows? Yeah, I remember, like, that was the first place I went to when I first, like, got off the plane in England, and then we drove over there and, like, went to a cafe near there, and we're, like, oh, jet-lagged so as fuck, and yeah. we're, like, this is really cool, and mm-hmm. now I see it on TV, and this is cool. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The other thing I think is interesting is how, like, I feel like Jane Austen in her life she, like, started off living in the country and all, and then her family, her parents were like, we're gonna move to Bath. Yes. And she's like, ah, oh, man, what? Like, yeah. I love the country. And, yeah, I feel like that's reflected a lot in her books where yes. all her main characters are like, what? We're going to Bath? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good point because something I asked Danny was like, is it clear why Anne isn't going to Bath with her family right off the bat when they decide to move? Was mm-hmm. that clear? Um, no. <laughs> but but yeah. to, to be fair, that's common. Those little details like that, it's common for me not to pick up sure. yeah, on okay. them in, in other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just my brain can't keep up with a lot of it. And I think this movie is so boring there where where i didn't make the effort to mm-hmm. even like understand why she was that's fine yeah. Yeah. yeah but but like you were saying i do like that they keep that consistent about how like Anne just wasn't interested in going to the city because i think that she recognizes that it's even more surfacey than like the little family community that she's part of already mm-hmm. but i think that also brings up an interesting point I don't know, like maybe modern readers, but also people who do adaptations of Jane Austen's works, they misunderstand that Jane Austen isn't the narrator always, or isn't the, no, maybe I should say more accurately, isn't always the main character Mm -hmm. in her novels. Because most of the time her characters are like female forward kind of, I don't want to use boss lady or- Girl boss. I don't want to use the term girl boss because they're much deeper- I think than that trope that's kind of like emerged in the last five or so years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that people want to believe so badly that Jane Austen was Emma and yeah. Elizabeth in Pride and Prejudice and Anne in this book. And maybe she sprinkled a little bit of herself in all of these characters. But I think that's where a really fundamental misunderstanding of who Anne is in this book kind of played out on the screen yeah. where they yeah. thought like, it, you know, let's give Anne all of what we think Jane Austen was in real life. Obviously, I'm projecting here, but I feel like Jane Austen was probably more of a wallflower to be able to 
observe all of the things and accurately portray them in the Regency period in the way that she did, I think she must have been more of a wallflower who was just observing Mm -hmm. and then writing down her observations. So that's what kind of gets me too, is there's like a fundamental fundamental misread of who Jane Austen is. And for some reason that just like bothers me because I feel almost like protective of the introvert that I feel like she might have been. I don't know. Maybe that's just because I'm reading into it, you know? Yeah. I just want to think of her as like me because I really respect her writing. (laughs) But I don't know. Well, that's why her writing is timeless because you can look into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is why. And that's why, like, I love her ability to identify bullshitting in Mm. people. She's so fucking good at that. And I just feel like there are some people who are really good at looking past what people say. If anyone decides to like misread that, I'm like, mm, you're the type of person that she'd be like, you're fucking bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I just went on a little rampage there, but no, no, love it. Yeah, I feel like I, I relate to her a lot too. I like her writing and yeah, just the way she like calls out bullshit or like makes these like jokey characters like her, like, Ian Elliot's dad and sister mm-hmm. and all. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really funny. And you yeah. see that modern day. And mm-hmm. yeah, part of what I love about her writing is just seeing history through the context of her mm. yes. view. I think that's so interesting. What an interesting way to learn about history. And yes. then, yeah, just seeing how like similar we are then to now too. I think to your point, I think that's what makes her writing timeless. Yeah. I think that's exact. I think you've really nailed... Because we always think of, you know, the dresses, the wigs, the makeup, the shoes, like all of those things as a little bit silly because they are. Yeah. And I think that like we still do that as a culture, but they're just a little bit different, like Botox Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But I think that's exactly it. Like that's what makes her writing timeless. And I don't see that. I see the cringe in this movie as representative of what she would have called out. Mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. surface level. Yeah. Yeah. She's also the master of tone. Yes. Right? Yeah. Which this movie is not. <laughs> not well, we, I, I've been waiting all podcasts to bring this mm-hmm. up. So I, I'm sorry to, sorry to like take over and mansplain right now. No. <laughs> go for it. Go, go for I it. have, I mean. We need a little bit of toxic masculinity yeah. in this conversation. Mansplain us, bitch. Yeah. Well, I just don't think women should vote, first off. Uh, no, Agree. <laughs> just like, out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't even in the book. Uh, <laughs> <Wait>. Yeah. <laughs> what? They're a hundred years from voting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The tone is is way off in the film, mm-hmm. and there's nothing worse than a movie that thinks it's being smart and cute and quirky, and then it's just it's not at all. Mm-hmm. But then one of the only serious parts of the movie comes out of literal nowhere. So you've mentioned the book is much more serious, where the movie is a little bit silly. That's a huge departure. But the one serious part that's kept is Louisa's fall. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it it is just so... I I cannot... (laughs) I have not laughed that hard in a while. And, I, and I'm and i not being hyperbolic for the sake of the podcast. This is just, this is my truth. <laughs> Laura and I were just chilling. And then 
So Louisa, that idiot, is like, this is, is like, catch so me. This is, this is Anne's sister-in-law, uh-huh. who is a mutual acquaintance, acquaintance, acquaintance of Mr. Acquaintance of Mr. Wentworth. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that was and there's kind of, a little bit. And she like is kind of warming up to, well, not kind of, she professes her love uh, to Wentworth to Anne. Uh, she doesn't do it directly to Wentworth. But they're warming up to each other, and Anne kind of views Louisa as a threat, but also she's not really pursuing Wentworth. I mean, that's the big traumatic drive of the whole thing. It's like the will-they-won't-they. They. But anyways, they're flirting on this ledge so embankment. I actually pulled it up because it was used in another adaptation of Pers- this movie. Persuasion. Persuasion in 2007. The Lime Regis. Regis. <laughs> in Dorset. In Dorset. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to go there. <laughs> Yeah. That's cool. Me too. Just don't fall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Be really careful. So th- there it is like dead quiet. There's no score. And Louisa, you know, they're walking down these stone stairs on the, the lime regis there, this embankment. And she did, she goes, catch me. And, um, and they have this cute little moment. And then... <laughs> Mr. Whitworth just walks away, but Louisa, in her infinite wisdom, (laughs) runs back up. To the top. To the top, and is like, she wants a challenge, and she falls. And it is so... Wait, she falls or she intentionally jumps? Right, well, the movie makes the decision to show her tripping and falling. Oh, that is not what I saw. Actually, that's what David said. He was like, I don't want to watch this, but I had it on. Um, and he was like, did she trip? And I was like, I don't think she tripped. But maybe you're right. Ooh, big, oh, because the line she says before is like, oh, that was your practice round. Right. Now you have to she, catch me. She was going to jump. But as she was going to jump, her toes catch and she falls prematurely. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Allison, pull up the read receipts. Okay, what does the yeah. book say? First of all, I think the pacing of the book's really interesting because it's so different from like the modern day way they would say it. First, she like jumps off and Captain Wentworth catches her and she's like, ooh, have fun. <laughs> oh, titillation because you couldn't touch without being engaged, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, however, she was safely down and instantly to show her enjoyment ran up the steps to be jumped down again. He advised her against it thought the jar too great but no he reasoned and talked in vain she smiled and said i am determined i will (laughs) he put out his hands she was too precipitate by half a second she fell on the pavement on the lower cob and was taken up lifeless there was no wound no blood no visible bruise but her eyes were closed she breathed not her face was like death the horror of that moment was to all who stood around I just thought that was so funny. So, okay, it's it does sound like she tripped. I'll be honest; that actually makes it sound like she said. I just had the opposite. She said she was too precipitous by a moment. I guess I could be right on their way. Maybe that's the maybe. Do we just uncover a little like? Oh my god, Easter egg! Like we're not supposed to know. True, Mm. because you just read it the other way. You yeah, I read. I see in the book she just jumped to like too early and Wentworth yeah. didn't catch her. Well, I, I'm, I looking up, right. I'm looking up the definition of precipitous. Yeah. Rain. <laughs> Snow. Hail. <laughs> Precipitation. I look up the wrong word. Done suddenly without careful consideration. Hmm. So 
I can see that. Even that, I can honestly see both ways. Yeah, like, she, like, tripped, or maybe she was, like, too early, and Captain Wentworth was, like, eh. Yeah, Yeah, like, trust fall, but you're not quite ready. Yeah. Yeah. But Um, the pacing in the movie is just... Yeah, Yeah, the editing. way off, because we go from a silly little, you know, just Dakota Johnson's normal shtick of just being, you know, like, all, like, mopey and, and, but quirky... Yeah. And then this is like so, so out of left field. And the fall happened, they like speed it up, and yeah. she's just like in one instant. <laughs> I think I was taking a sip of like my spin drift yeah. and like just, you know, being like, oh, this is a movie moment. We're and she's just like down. <laughs> and I think both of us were just like, oh, shit. <laughs> No, Allison, so I remember, so I hadn't read this book before we watched it in the theater, and Allison, you know, we're drunk, but Allison goes, she sees kind of the the wall, and she goes, oh shit, I think someone falls here, (laughs) And and then same thing, where it just, like, someone's on the ground, and I'm like, Whoa! Like, I yeah, was, I was not engaged enough to care about this character dying. I think like that's the same pacing in the book though, where like out of nowhere it's just like, oh shit, Lisa just like fall. I wonder. Herbs, am I right? <laughs> True. I'm wondering why it works though in the book. It's just in the movie, the decision to cut it so fast and to have no sure. like sound other than her skull like cracking (laughs) and just for the like and also the blocking to have because i rewatched it because it was the funniest thing i've ever seen a few times and they have mr wentworth like after he catches her the first time just like walk as far as he could away Mm. from her Mm -hmm. and of her being like that's okay that's enough Mm. and for her to fall like, as she's falling, gravity increases by 200%. It's cut like a, a sketch. Yeah. yeah. Like, yes. if I was making a, a video sketch, that would be perfect comedic timing to be like, oh, no, Louisa, like, be careful. Boom. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, but to your point, too, like, as soon as her head absolutely cracks like an egg against the cobblestones, <laughs> they're on her. They're, like, on top of her. And her sister's, like, already crying. Yeah. And then I think... Dakota Johnson says, "Use my cell to call an ambulance." <laughs> and she, no, she, she goes, like, she goes, "Don't move her! Don't move her!" Of course, because she's ahead of her time in right. medical science. Of course, you taught me about the rule of like the one eighty rule, right? When people have like a dialogue scene, right? There's like, there's a one eighty degree rule. You're not supposed to cross a certain line to make it awkward for the viewer to like understand oh, who's well, talking and who's having yeah, the conversation. Yeah, when you're when you're shooting a location. Say if you're shooting one person talking one way and the other person talking another way, there's a line, this unseen line, and if you cross it, say if someone's looking to the left and talking to someone on the right, so that person needs to be looking in the, and placed on the opposite side of the camera. If they're both placed in the same side of the camera, your mind, you can't figure out the geography mm-hmm. of a place, so it, it, it looks like intuitively weird mm-hmm. huh. your brain can't quite your, figure out what's brain. going on and that's i feel like maybe that's like maybe another issue with the fall there are a couple of shots from below up toward louisa and then when she falls there's a close-up but then not even a second later they pull back and show 
a full shot of like five people around her. And so I think that that may be one of those things where it's like cut, cut, cut. And you don't yeah. understand like where things are happening or how yeah. far she fell. I think it's just really, what's the word? Disorienting. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that's part of it. And also there's like a massive thud and it literally sounds like she died. Yeah. So we were, <laughs> we were laughing, which I don't think the filmmaker was. Really? The, I don't think that was. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think she was going yeah. for. I should say, I don't like the writing. So of Louisa falling in love with the doctor right and of her that being like a misunderstanding so Anne doesn't think that she could be with wentworth wait louisa falls in love with the doctor right benwick right she falls in love with whoever oh wait it was the doctor or whoever was by her side yeah captain benwick was like by her side he was like buddies with captain uh wentworth in the war Mm. yeah and then yeah captain benwick like stayed with her uh, so he's uh, not a doctor. But it's unclear. No. It is unclear in the movie. Yeah. I, I don't know that they needed to spend more time on it. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah. In the, in the book, book it's, it's clear. Yeah. Though. Gotcha. Yeah. But I think maybe, I don't know, there's probably an extended scene where they explain that. Mm-hmm. But there's not enough time. There's not enough time. This movie's already two hours. Yeah. <laughs> too long. Two hours too long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, that's yeah. it. I mean, I should say that's also a part of the book, though. That I should say, I don't like that. Like it's a misunderstanding. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. that's what leads to tension in the third act of why she can't be with Wentworth. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that, that's yeah. my only comment. Yeah. I mean, that's what the movie is missing, which a lot of Jane Austen books have for me to praise her writing. I know it's not my jam, but I think there's a tension, a big you know, will they, won't they, or you know, will they inherit an estate, or the politics of of marriage in her books but there's really no plot in the movie and really the only thing that like propels the second half forward is when mr elliot shows up mm-hmm. so my note would be to just move him earlier into the mm. film yeah maybe. and then crop the film by like 30 minutes <laughs> yeah <laughs> by probably like five hours two hours <laughs> why was the screen lit this sounds like we're kind of wrapping up our thoughts but i think My biggest issue with the book and the movie, I'm going to be fair here, something that I really like about Emma is that Emma is such a flawed protagonist. Mm. We root for her, but we know that she's a fucking bitch. (laughs) And I can relate. Like, I can't relate. Mm -hmm. No comment. (laughs) 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 Two of the closest people in my life have no comment. But... This was a problem that I had with Little Fires Everywhere, where in the book, the character of Mia was, like, not flawed at all. And she could do no wrong, and she was just this perfect, like, mother and friend and, you know, housekeeper. Like, everything she did, even when she was at her job, was, like, just perfect. And that (laughs) made for a very boring character for me. And... In this book, it doesn't bother me as much because I think like the fatal flaw for Anne is that she listened to her family about Mr. Wentworth eight years ago when they didn't end up getting engaged. Like there was clearly something in her that was like maybe had a little bit more allegiance to her family when they said like, oh, he's not rich. So, you know, you shouldn't marry him. But there there isn't really like a flaw to her still. Maybe you can pull another flaw out of 
her, but she just seems she's like a little bit of a boring protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think that they made it any better in the movie. Yeah. So that's like my my number one thing is I think that they could have they had the opportunity to make her a more complex character and they made her a less complex character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one of those things, just like underwriting female characters is a pretty chronic problem in modern like cinema so why not fix that problem by by like going back and fixing the original source material Mm -hmm. which is still like a little bit of a boring protagonist to me so that's that's kind of my final thoughts closing thoughts allison yeah i agree i think emma's a much more engaging character Mm -hmm. i like really flawed female protagonists as well me too um you should see uh tar that's out in theaters oh, yeah. now. Yeah. She's incredibly flawed in a way that you don't normally see. A, female characters, but B, like just characters in general. Like she's not like a villain, like like a Marvel villain, right? She's not like evil, but she is flawed in a way that's you don't normally see, so. And she's like a that. musician, like you. Oh, oh, I like that. Cool. Who plays her, by the way? Kate Blanchett. Love her. Snaps. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Go I ahead. Forgot. I agree with what you said. It's probably because like I'm so introverted. Like Anne isn't as engaging to me because maybe she has too many of my own qualities in her. But I think like Emma is really interesting, and like Anne's sister-in-law Mary is like so fun. Mm. Also, like Wuthering yes. Heights Catherine, really fun because she's like such a fucking bitch. I love her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any any oh. thoughts that we didn't cover? Yeah. Because sometimes that happens. Brought so. up Napoleon before we started That's the podcast. Right. We um, did. We talked about Waterloo. Yeah. <laughs> in Belgium, if anyone didn't know, because I certainly didn't. Yeah. That happened in Belgium. Um, I totally knew that the whole time. And so, uh, yeah. So basically yesterday when I was like prepping for this, I got in a whole like uh, Napoleon rabbit hole. Um, but I just thought it was like, I just think it's kind of funny that... Uh, it's really interesting that Jane Austen wrote this novel like around the same time that she set this actual novel. So let's see. It starts in 1814, like the summer of 1814, and then it continues into 1815. Jane Austen began writing it in 1815 and fi- finished around like the August of 1816. And it kind of works out with Napoleon's whole time. So like his first reign Whoa. was in April of 1814. So like That's Wentworth so like came back home navy was let out because they exiled napoleon to this island around that time so they're like we don't need the navy we defeated napoleon and all um and that's when all the action of the novel came in but then basically at the end of the novel Anne and captain wentworth get together and they're like right on we're gonna be like lovers forever or whatever but then napoleon escapes and then he did yeah and then that's when like English, fight, 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 fight. And then, like, Waterloo happens and all. But, like, it's basically, like, it's kind of sad because... so interesting. Yeah, so, like, basically, Wentworth would be called back into the Navy. Yikes. Oh, that like, is so right interesting, Allison. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah, like, Jane Austen knew this when she was writing it because this is what was happening when yeah. she was writing, write, writing this writing in it. 1815. So... It's kind of interesting. That's like a historical criticism way of reading the book. Yeah, it's really so interesting. that is so cool. I'm so happy that you said that because yeah. now I'm thinking like, oh, you can kind of project 
about their he, maybe he'll die and maybe yeah. she'll be single again that's so interesting yeah. oh, even like the last line you. of the novel is like she gloried in being a sailor's wife but she must pay the tax of quick alarm for belonging <gasps> to that profession which is if possible more distinguished in its domestic virtues than it in its national importance my cool. goodness so this is she's like snaps oh, oh, I, I oh my gosh i wish that we had had you on for our episode on mansfield park ah. because that's the only novel that jane austen even adjacently mentions slavery Ah. and so there was a moment where i think i defended her not like leaning into abolitionism Mm -hmm. but then after we recorded that episode i was thinking about the time period exactly like what you were Mm -hmm. doing about like what's going on outside of the novel and i was like that's absolute bullshit because there were abolitionists during that time and i was like as much as i want to say that she was progressive like she still could have done more like she still there were people who were writing and also like writing speeches and delivering speeches against mm-hmm. slavery so i'm like out like what was happening in her life outside of yeah of her novels yeah. oh i'm so glad that you brought that up thank yeah. you for educating it's interesting. us yeah. yeah that's cool yeah yeah i love that and, and like you were saying like the last line really does kind of leave it open like yeah it's oh, like maybe ah. she had to pay a tax which yeah. would have been her husband's life this is why we love yeah. having guests oh because <laughs> I told you that usually our guests prepare more than we do. <laughs> That's all I did was like go down a Napoleon rabbit hole and then I was like, oh, it's bedtime. So. That's all you need to do. Okay. And maybe that's why she held a rabbit during the movie. How did that? <laughs> you said rabbit. You said what? rabbit hole. Oh, okay. So. Uh, <laughs> making a yeah. so You said it. So. Okay. We're just right. repeating what you said. <laughs> um, all right. Any, I don't have yeah. any other... Yes. Final thoughts, other than we had mentioned Mary Musgrove earlier mm. in the film, and yeah, that actress is Mia McKenna Bruce. So yeah. shout out her. I, yeah, I, She's I great. thought she was shout great out. in that. She well. kind of stole some of those scenes. I would yeah. say all of them. I all mean, of them. Yeah. yeah. Only one with any real personality, it seems like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her lines are so good. She's yeah. so to good. be fair, too. I think a lot yeah. of those were maybe not lifted from the book because they really didn't take anything verbatim, but they were pretty well in the. Yeah. The time period. I'm an empath. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, not that, that was not in that the book. One. That was in the <laughs> book. That That's a direct that quote. So yeah. Um, God, there's another one. She was talking about how like her her doctor told her to like embody gratitude more oh, yes. or something like and, that. And like you can't love anyone else until you love yourself. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, my therapist told me that last week. Yeah, like <laughs> so Bro, like Freud wasn't even around yet. Timeless <laughs> advice by yeah. Jane Austen, because that's a direct oh quote. Yes. Final ratings before you get off the rails you again. Did you have any other final thoughts or that was it? That was other it. Than Mary. Okay. That was it, yeah. Right. Final rating for both the book and the movie out of four stars. Allison, our guest, okay. please go ahead first. Say the movie was like a one out of four. Like, it, it just, it wasn't entertaining. It wasn't even like bad movie entertaining. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. Well said. I watched it in like a million 10 minute segments mm. again yesterday. <laughs> that's that's the way to do it. Yeah. But the book is four out of four because really? I just love, I like her writing style. It didn't have as much sass as I like, but most books I like are four out of four. Mm. I'll give it to her. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I obviously I agree with the one out of four stars for the movie. It's not even engaging bad. So I agree. It was fun to watch while drunk, but if you're sober, you're not getting much out of this. 
Um, the book, I'm going to be a little, <laughs> a little less than forgiving just because I feel like I'm comparing it to Emma. So I'm going to say two out of four. That's fair. Because... I, I feel like the only way to compare is between her own her own mm-hmm. writing, mm-hmm. like not contemporary novels or anything. But I just like, I don't think that I would reread this. And I think mm-hmm. I've read Emma and Pride and Prejudice three times each at least. So yeah, just two. It's just not, it's not quite as biting. I did as not see that it. coming. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah, two? Yeah, it seems. I know it seems low, but out of four, like, yeah, yeah. if I'm not going to read a book again, I feel like it's not fair to go over two. Yeah, no, I. that's yeah, actually, that's uh, fair. Yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. If I'm going to reread a Jane Austen, I'm going to reread Emma. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's my, ugh, Mr. Woodhouse. It's just so fucking funny. <laughs> go ahead. For the book, I will abstain from rating it is not i'm not i'm not thing. the not the audience um for, for these <laughs> books i really liked her sci-fi books uh <laughs> <laughs> no. jane austen would have though yeah. like she definitely would have and honestly maybe there's some lost writings i would love that because like mm. cassandra her sister like burned a bunch of her shit after she yes died. that probably is probably all her sci-fi Whoa. i would guess i would i would posture <laughs> it was all her sci-fi well, yeah. there should be like kind of a loose biopic on her sister. Like I feel like that would be a fun yeah. movie. Oh, because you know what? They started illustrating the history of England when they were like eleven years old. I have a picture book, Allison. I'll give it to you later. Oh, let's um, go but then. obviously, I mean, you've read a biography about Jane Austen, but I think that's a really interesting way of like approaching her is through her sister. Yeah, yeah. They had a lot of fun together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, the um, th- that's the book. The movie. I think we're all in agreement here. One out of four as well. So that's an average of one out of four <laughs> for the movie. Best math. Yeah, yeah. would rather... It's it's not so bad that it's good, like you were saying, Allison. It's just bad and uh, boring. I don't really know the audience at all. I can see them skewing this for younger viewers, but because of that, they aim too low. Mm-hmm. Um, Seven-year-olds. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah, and it's already yeah. since it came out on Netflix, like, there's no, so no box office reports, has no life in the theater, so it, Netflix has already kind of buried it under all the bad reviews. They can, Netflix can do that. They have such a wide library where if something mm. doesn't work, they just won't promote it at all and yeah. won't promote it on their front page the and people way, will forget. The only way you would know is if you take notes on, like, how long a movie or a show is in the top ten of Netflix, right? right. Yeah. If you took like manual notes and you were like but, every time I turn but, on Netflix. But the thing is like that. they don't they don't make those records public. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you as a yes. customer would have to like turn on Netflix every week and see, oh, persuasion yeah. is still in the top ten. Oh. Yeah, we will never know how many people watched well, any movie on Netflix, uh, mm, but yeah. especially this one's. But I don't imagine it was a lot. I just don't envision watching this movie ever again. You no. don't think we'll have a kid and they're going to be like, my favorite movie is Persuasion on Netflix. Disown them. <laughs> I mean, adoption is a thing. You can put yeah. them up for it. So, yeah. Th- thank you for listening. We'll be back 
next week with our episode on Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's going to be oh, a I bunch of fun burner. But this has been, uh, speaking yeah. of this episode, what a fun, what a fun time. Yeah. Thank you so much, This Allison. was great. Our Thank guest you. episodes do so well, so you're really just bumping our listenership. Yeah. <laughs> our downloads. No, but seriously, we have been trying to get you as a guest for a long, long time. Yes. Yeah, for real. Um, it maybe finally happened. Next time, we'll come on with one of your top choices, like Bro. maybe Dune or something. No, you guys should do Fire <laughs> Island, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, that's such a good movie. It's such yeah. a good adaptation. That is a yeah. great idea. Yeah. Let's let's plan for that off yeah. mic. Okay. We'll plan. We'll do it. We'll okay. do it. You're currently yeah. on mic though, planning. <laughs> but okay. we can edit. Take this off mic. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. Take this offline, like people yeah. say at work. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, we'll see you next week. And thank you again for listening. Please rate, review, follow if you want to. No pressure. But we'll see you on the next one. See you next week. I'll be here all day, every day. <laughs> that I'm supposed to get the last word. <laughs> I got the last word. Good night. And good night, good everyone. Good night, New York. Good night, New York. <laughs> Saturday Night Live! <laughs>